The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Hello and welcome to the Show, a production of Galactic Netcasts. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsenerds.com. And for other Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. On Else Nerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will spoil things and we will swear liberally. Not like a liberal, I mean, we'll swear <laughs> non-politically swearing a lot. Yes, exactly. Um, So we have three news stories that we're going to hit, hit at really quick. The first is coming from where? Come Up With Resources. And this is Lock and Key is coming back to the television. I, I like the misrepresentation of coming back to television where it never made it to television in the first place. So what it means is it's finally maybe going to come to television? Yeah. The um, So basically, for those of you guys who don't know the history, um, Lock and Key was supposed to come out uh, in 2011. Um and, and but Fox and it was going to be coming out on Fox and I believe they had Jesse McCartney it was either Jesse McCartney or Zach Efron I want to say it was McCartney though tagged to be in the show um but Fox ultimately passed and the and then the hopes were that it might find a home on another network or even become a movie and nothing uh, materialized with that although IDW did screen the unaired pilot at Comic-Con International in 2011. And then for... Uh, Corey, what's, can you give a really quick history on what the uh, Lock and Key is? Uh, Lock and Key is a comic series from IDW created by Joe Hill, who uh, everybody probably knows by this point is the son of Stephen King. Uh, it was an original story created for comics specifically, and it centers around Nina Locke and her three children, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bodie, uh, who, after the murder of Nina's husband, Rendell, returned to Key House, which is a family home in Lovecraft, Massachusetts. There they encountered a manipulative entity Dodge and numerous stores that can transport the mansion's residents to other worlds or bestow them with supernatural abilities. This is a really cool series. I, I read, I think, the first collection of it and it was still coming out of the time and i kind of felt like it would be better to read it all at once so i put it on a shelf for a while and just haven't made it back to it yet but it is some great art and a pretty cool overall feel and tone for what the book is uh it it stood out and got a very big following at a time when i think idw was still kind of just itself getting a following so it worked out well for both uh, the creator and the company. Yeah. Um, it's it's a really cool thing. I mean, comic books have taken over. And speaking of which, we might be losing our first comic book TV series here. Or, sorry, our fourth, I think. But <laughs> but we, we might be losing a big one. And this is the report that CBS is considering dropping Supergirl over budgetary issues. Now, I don't know how much of this, Corey, you know or you've seen happen, but I've heard 
from other from so, uh, multiple sources that it might end up over on the CW. They've also talked about moving the show's production to Vancouver to save on costs uh, yeah. because it's been filmed in the States and that for some reason is much more expensive. They're not getting the, the uh, incentives that they would probably get otherwise. And the big part with this is the fact that um, CBS television or CBS pays $3 million per episode to Warner brothers. Right. Just for licensing the Supergirl character, or you know, the Supergirl and all the characters. So that's where I think the CW shift came in, because CB or Warner Brothers co-owns it with C with CBS. Um, and I've also heard, you know, because where they would get a smaller budget over there, but you look at shows like Flash and Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. And they've already had bigger effects than, um, than what Supergirl has shown. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. It seems like they save up each episode for one big scene with the whole group, but that's so many characters that need effects at the same time. Uh, Supergirl. It really seemed like some of the effects were okay until they did things like introducing John Jones and seeing him. Uh, power up and change into what is essentially a fully almost animated character. Uh, yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice to have this on the same network as those other heroes, although we've already established in the crossover episode that it's not the same universe. So if they can't pull the show over, they could at least pull the actress and have her play Power Girl from Earth 2 or Earth 3, since that would essentially be... Uh, a, the other version of Kara from another world. Yeah, couldn't this? Couldn't they do? Couldn't they bring her over by doing a? And you could bill it as a big event thing by doing Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, I mean you could do a yeah. storyline with that. The only problem is, is that I, I still feel like we'd be losing Superman we'd be losing the the history that's associated with Kara and probably losing a lot of her extraneous cast. So we kind of, I don't know if it would do well because it would always be her trying to make her way back home. Maybe just have her play another version of the character. Yeah. And since on Earth 2, at least classically when I was growing up, the Superman there. No, the Superman there was still alive. It was Batman and died. Never mind. <laughs> but no, yeah. And then finally, the last story that we are going to mention is um, a clarification for a lot of people. And this is that uh, Paul Feig, the director of the new Ghostbusters, offers a timeline and context for the the asshole's remark. Um, and then the Daily News, who first reported it, is offering a correction. Yeah, so last week there was a story that was popping around everywhere that was Paul Feig says the geek culture is home to some of the biggest assholes I've ever met in my life, which I didn't see a lot of arguments about. I saw a lot of people angry at Paul Feig because he's Paul Feig and because he has the balls to put a Ghostbusters movie together 
that isn't the original Ghostbusters, or he gives voice to women in film in general, uh, I guess that's apparently bad to some <laughs> internet people. Uh, and those people are exactly who I would have aimed this at and probably still do. But the problem is that like so many things on the internet, it was completely false or at least so false that it may have just been labeled false. Uh, what Fegan said was from a interview years ago and uh, it was completely taken out of context and put into this story, which was about something else entirely. So he basically said, um, hey, it's okay that you guys are all mad at me, I guess, but why are you mad at me about this when this is bullshit? Yeah. Um, so the, to, I mean, I see his point here because the nerd community and it's one of these things that i i I struggle with myself because and again i still have this song plugging or going in my head um the double clicks nothing to prove where it seems like the like girls get the biggest um like some of the biggest criticisms as oh they're not true nerds and it's like these are people who got picked on in high school, you know, made to feel like the outcasts. And now that everyone's coming up to their door, they're just going to be dicks. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, and that's also the assumption that, that people who label themselves as geeks were the ones who were picked on in high school. And frankly, that's not always the case either. Sometimes it's just the guys who are like, Oh, well, I like ghostbusters uh proper with penises or i like superhero movies and i have to assume that because you don't have uh dangling genitalia that you don't like them as much as i do so i'm gonna tell you that you're wrong that's that's what it seems like to me is that there's no excusing on either side there's there's yeah. no saying oh because you've been persecuted you might feel like you have the right to do this. No, you don't. You never do. And My, if you haven't been persecuted, well, then you don't have less right. You just still don't have the right to act this way. But everybody... My only, qu yeah. My only question for them, though, is how did they think that they busted the ghost? Was it penis-powered? Uh, that's what the proton packs are for. It's It's completely powered by genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> I just got I just grossed beat out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's not <laughs> talk about Slimer and that kind of context. <laughs> just one addition. Because it's mainstream anymore, now we have the bullies that like comics and keep on doing what they do, but taking our beloved genre into the mud. That's yeah. yeah. I yeah. guess the more people you have that like something, you have more assholes that are part of it. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. You can, and and I've probably talked about this before, you can point out political leanings, religious leanings, uh, science leanings, whatever. If you get a group of people together and you're all like, oh, we all think a lot alike. And then that one person who comes in, he's like, well, I think a lot alike with you guys too, except for these one or two things where I think very differently. And it's, well, do you oust that person because they think a little differently? 
where you just go, well, yeah, you're one of us for the most part, so you stick around. And then some more people come in that don't match you as much, but match that first person a little bit more. And so they're maybe at a 50% for you or an 80% for him. And it starts to kind of balloon out. It's like, well, we want to be inclusive. We want to, because we all kind of matched on this one thing at first, right? But then it got taken over by people who don't think the same as you. Now, part of that's integration. And part of that is a happiness of like, we are a big melting pot world. We should have different viewpoints that makes things stronger sometimes. But then you get that group that kind of takes over. And that's when you get things like Gamergate or you get things like the, what is it? The sick puppies that are taking over uh, voting in books and things like that for the awards to only be towards virile men stories instead of anything that might be inclusive to other genders or other uh, sexual orientations or anything like that. It's like, no, that's not sci-fi. This over here is sci-fi. This is a guy trapped on Mars, which is a cool story, by the way, but not the only cool sci-fi story. So, yeah, you, you let people in because it should be everybody enjoys sci-fi, everybody enjoys comics, or as many people as can. But then you get the groups that just like, well, now that we're here, we really like what you've built here, but we're going to kind of destroy it and make it into our own thing. Yeah. And uh, if you're not on board, then you're not a geek enough and you can GTFO. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And so that's going to do it for the news. We're going to talk... Um, and so we're going to nerd out here for a little bit. Um, and it's going to start with me with uh, Game of Thrones, because get, this is what I just got done watching, um, because haha, work is so fun, um, especially when you work retail. Um, sorry, that's like a drinking game now. Just like let, just start taking a drink when I complain about work. Um, you'll be drunk by the end of the show. I actually was drinking. <laughs> but the... Uh, so mainly catching you up with all this stuff bran is over uh, is up apparently up at the tree of life or whatever the 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 mid guardian or not mid guardian asgardian norse gods tree we'll just call it grootland yeah grootland um visiting his um traveling through time visiting his dad in all these other places but you know more like ghost of christmas past visiting not doctor who Let's go ki- kill Hitler visiting. Um, and Jon Snow, which I highly recommend this past week's episode of SNL for the one skit alone of the of Game of Thrones that they did uh, with reviving um, Jon Snow. So he's alive and all this stuff. And, you know, things happen there where he at the end, he kills the people who killed him, which is it's 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 weird when you start to wrap your head around that but more importantly the circle of death yeah the circle of death um but there were funny parts in here and i'm like wait this is game of thrones wouldn't this become a comedy but it was just subtle little um little moments one including where the small council is talking about cersei and her and her bodyguard sir gregor as i'm not just saying because his name is gregor but you know, he's, he's the mount and he comes down or they're both there and then turns camera cuts to one of them. And you just hear. <laughs> they did a fart take. Yeah, they did a fart take. And I'm just like, yup, this is great. 
I'm loving the episode. And <laughs> now, do you think because right after that moment, the the whole council was like, "Well, I'm taking my ball and going home," and so they got all up to leave. Now, is it because they were trying to show Cersei the the strength of, "Well, we're not going to work with you," or was it really that old guy fart stank up the room so bad? <laughs> I think they would say it was column A, but really it was column B. Well, hopefully he didn't leave a column on the chair, but, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> Food yeah. stuff was not great in that point in time. <laughs> but no, it. this is becoming another great season of Game of Thrones. And um, so much so to where I'm sitting there going with um, Bolton, the Bolton bastard. Um, I can't think of his name. Reese. Re- Reese. Um, where they're like, oh, here's the final Stark brother. Um, and I'm like, oh, damn. He, here he comes and he's going to die. Well, not it's... only that, but as soon as he walked in, they're like, well, how do I know that this is a Stark? I'm like, shit, here comes the direwolf's corpse. And then, yeah. boom, there's the head of the direwolf, right? So, what have the direwolves really done? in this show it was like they show up as puppies at the very beginning and then they all a lot of them died a lot and we've only got a couple left and and one of them disappeared yeah so ghosts or no not ghosts brands disappeared and then no brands i think is with him well then both of them are with Rickens just died yeah uh sansa hers was killed Arya sent hers off to keep hers from getting killed. And John still has his. They tied, they sewed the head of Rob's onto his body. So it's, it's a lot of, it's not a good place to be a direwolf. Yeah. So, B, you, you've been watching Game of Thrones. What, what do you think? Pretty much the same. The first thing you said about going back and not changing everything. He called out for his father, and his father reacted for a moment. So, could there's be more going on there? Yeah, there's there is that part to where I do think there is going to be something, something there that they're going to develop on further. Um, but I still see it more as a um to to steal a reference from the person on my shirt it's more of a superman in in the uh up in the his uh uh the island Fortress. Of Solitude. i couldn't think of the name god um you know with the recording of his dad getting advice that way with the records that they had of krypton and not so much as a he's time traveled into the past and this is going to change the future a Jedi thing. ghost, you say. Yeah. Yeah, but every time Bran gets a little bit closer to exploring these points, he gets pulled back out of it by his mentor. Um, and also, he's finding out things about his dad that he believed were one way, and then it turns out they weren't true yeah. or were, were changed in some way. And that's... It's kind of interesting to, one, have Ned Stark coming back as a character again, although not with Sean being doing the the acting but to see this aspect of him because we've we've talked about his character Ned has been like he was our hero in the first season until he wasn't and that changed the entire context of the show 
that was what set us on the path of what Game of Thrones is, which is don't love anybody because they're going to die. But now we're we're seeing who was our first hero on here is suddenly maybe not as heroic as we thought. And we're finding out whatever happened to his sister. And I'm kind of worried as to what really was the the situation there. Yeah. Um, also, the... Um... Honestly, a lot of the Stark storylines are interesting, um, like especially with the um, the Arya Stark storyline with her continuing with the uh, the was it the Faceless God? Is no. that who yeah, it? yeah. They call it no name. Arya well, the, yeah. Sorry, the girl, the girl, no name. Um, but that part has been interesting me just because it's a it's been a teardown of a character to then build up a new character in a in a way which has been kind of ongoing for her i mean she she was building slowly anyways or actually very quickly from getting kind of trained by the first swordsman and then getting pulled out of the place before her father was killed and her sister was married off to Joffrey traveling around with the hound, all of these different things that she's done. But yeah, similarly what we saw happen to Sansa last season where she got tore down and now she's sort of building back up again too. We're seeing that power fluctuation of they have to go through these horrible things to, to become stronger, to survive through them. Although John, you know, was killed. Yeah. But she got the power. Yeah. She she was looking through the cat when she was in training. This way she was able to beat the master. And we yeah. see the, her bro brother's power in her again. And I'm intrigued. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, my wife kind of leaned over to me and said, she's my favorite storyline. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see that. But again, never never pick a favorite. Yeah. Kind of steer you wrong. It's sort of like in Walking Dead. Oh, they become a moral compass. Oh, the compass broke. Yep. So So Corey, you've yes, seen Batman versus Superman. I'm assuming you saw it in theaters? No. Why would I go to a theater to see this? I saw it on the... And so, uh, yeah, I finally saw Batman v Superman. And that's our show. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs> so, feel free to go in depth, as in-depth as you want. Um, I Wait, wait. So did, you get the, I did you get the check from Disney? Yeah, um, that's right. Uh <laughs> Disney is paying me as a reviewer to okay. give it a shitty review. Go on. Um, apparently, they're going to have to backdate that check, like Steve's pay for being in the army and underwater for ninety years, because that, I've been doing this for a while. No, I felt like uh, because we're going to get the discussion about Captain America: Civil War in a few minutes, not even that long. I felt like since I saw that, and what I knew of the story of Batman v Superman. I could imagine that there were a good number of similarities in the storylines. And obviously they're going to be compared to each other because the last major superhero movie to come out 
was was Batman v Superman and how Captain America now performs uh, with that in mind is going to be on a lot of people's thoughts going forward. You know, which one performed better and why? And is this a Marvel versus DC thing or is it just a one type of movie versus another type of movie thing? So I felt like, all right, I'll I'll watch it. It was available to me. It was kind of like I've talked about pizza rolls before. Oh, I woke up and there's a plate full of pizza rolls there. They're disgusting, but I'll eat them. And that's what this was. So I I can't say that I didn't go into it without a prejudice already. And as much as I try to convince myself that I was being non-prejudgmental, I obviously am. And I came into it from having seen Man of Steel and not enjoyed Man of Steel. This didn't do anything to change my mind. There was a lot of weird moves in this movie that I didn't think made a lot of sense. People are saying, and maybe rightly, that the extended version that's going to be coming out on Blu-ray soon may make more sense as a story. I just, I can't imagine what they can do to clear up character motivations that didn't make sense from the very beginning. And the, really it all hinges on hearing that that person has the same name or mother's name as yours. Uh, That's what's going to be what suddenly wakes you from this, I'm going to make you bleed to... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. We have so much in common now. Uh, just the moment of, of Superman going up to Batman and saying, wait, don't attack me as I'm still striding towards you powerfully in the dark. Um, <laughs> just no. But then then I'm going to punch you in the face a little bit because you you did try to hit me. It's just a lot of mess. And I, I wanted to like things like they do show a couple of scenes of the flash character of aquaman of cyborg but i don't know why i couldn't get the context of that i couldn't get the context of batman dreaming about the future so much like a problem i have with brian singer over at x-men he suddenly gives characters powers that they don't have um it just it didn't work for me as as I understand there's a lot of things that have happened in the comics. There are a lot of things that you want to get onto film because they're cool and they look cool. But the comics had context for all those things. And you tried to take 20 to 50 years of storylines and just throw them all on the page. Why the hell does Luther even think he can bring Zod back to life before he opens up the ship? And has the ship teach him. Uh, and then he he puts his blood onto Zod's body and dumps him in the water. And the ship's like, hey, maybe you don't do this. Maybe you fuck off and die. All right, I'll fuck off and die and let's do this. Okay, Kryptonian technology that works off of fingerprints. Um, yeah. I just, I didn't get the context of any of what was being gone for. But that was what I expected. So I, I got exactly what I thought I was going to get. And I don't think that's fair f- for a real review. So I'm, I'm yeah. grain assaulting this and saying, I knew I was not going to like this. I wound up not liking it. Big fat surprise there. Hey, look, I'm an asshole on the internet. 
just like Paul Feig said I was. But here's okay, so here's here's the difference. Here's where I'm gonna make it to where you're not quite an asshole on the internet. Um don't take this away from me. Well no, because here well, I'm gonna give you some stats. So starting off opening weekend, um comparing the two big movies. So this to Captain America Civil War. But uh, opening this is all both on IMDB at their respective movies pages. Opening weekend for uh Batman versus Superman, it did 166 million dollars meanwhile captain america did 179.1 million dollars so it's it's they're both relatively close they both had about the same budget or estimated same budget um but also where i would get where i would say and ask you since you've seen it and i think beat seen it as well everyone that i've heard who's a comic book fan has said that they haven't liked the movie and has read that has read the comics has said that they didn't like the movie. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Like Jimmy Palmiotti, who is not only a comic book fan, but is a comic book creator. I I mm. believe he enjoyed the movie a lot. And uh, I saw that. Um, oh, Eric Larson from Savage Dragon. Yeah, said, why did you guys tell me that Civil War was such an amazing movie? It was okay, but my expectations were so high because of everybody on the internet. Yeah. So I, I think there's room to have differences of opinions on no, these things. Yeah. And, and I don't think that even saying that, well, this one made this much money and this one made this much money. Because if it was up to me, the, the most money earned would be, the Winter Soldier would have been a higher earner than it was guardians of the galaxy would have been a higher earner yeah. than what it was. And the guardians of the galaxy did great. Yeah. But well, and, and I only threw out those facts because a lot of people would go, Oh, well who, who made more, mo- more money on opening weekend. And and a lot of people and, would, and, and I don't even think opening weekend matters as much as long-term of when you see the drops, when you see, okay, mm-hmm. we saw it. And do I want to go out and immediately see it again? But see, see here, you're. I think you're still missing missing it because those are still close numbers. I mean, if it was, if it was, you know, uh, Batman versus Superman made two hundred made made all of its money back. It it says me might did you know quarter of a billion dollars, and then, you know, for opening weekend, and then, uh, Civil War did you know a hundred million. Then that's something where we where I could see that point, but also the other part that I've heard is that there's not really setups to the shot or to the sequences, and it's all like a whole bunch of more like smaller stories that has this overarching theme forced on it, is what I've heard. It was something something along those lines. Like it was like these little segments. Like I, I don't think I've heard anyone talk bad about Wonder Woman. Um. Yeah, but I don't feel like I know Wonder Woman from this. I she did a very cool scene, uh, yeah. a couple of scenes. As as Diana, she was interesting, but it wasn't a Wonder Woman movie. She was mm-hmm. just kind of background to what was going on between Bruce and Clark. I, Lois was only there to be in danger. the The scene of Lois going running in seeing bruce say how do you know that name and why would you say that name she wasn't even there to hear the name but then just automatically assumes well it must have been he was talking about his mom she picks up the spear 
with the Krypton at the end, dumps into the water to then five minutes later, when when a whole bunch of shit has been going on in that five minutes, run back into the place to then try to get the spear out of the water. So it was a pointless thing to just put her in danger uh, to have Superman go and save her and then struggle with the spear himself, which again, Batman's right there. He ain't doing dick against Doomsday. Why don't you send him in there to go get it? It seems like that's his thing. No, uh, it didn't make sense. Now, we'll talk about this in Civil War. What this movie did not have was the context of a half dozen other films to lead into it. So as we're seeing Batman on the screen, one, they're building off the assumptions that everybody kind of knows Batman from the Nolan films that just happened or because he's fucking Batman. But we we don't have a context for Flash or Cyborg or Aquaman or many of these other characters. And so it just sort of happens. We have no context of the Jimmy Olsen that they kill at the beginning for no reason, even though apparently there's another Olsen that works at the Daily Planet that I don't know if she's a sister, his wife or what, but she never seems to be hammered by the fact that Jimmy Olsen died somewhere in the desert. Um, but we're supposed to buy in and that's who it was and how cool it is that we use the character. I think that this was a lot of, oh, I just want to do this because it looks neat. And it's straight out of comic books. It's mm-hmm. straight out of comic books except for context and story. Yeah. And so and that's think... like we've talked about before. I think Snyder's view of comic books is the art. Yeah. And and the scenes, but not what the the history is or the the camaraderie of the characters or their personalities or anything else like that. And I think that's that's a shitty comic book that I wouldn't want to read. Yeah. And I don't want to see it on screen. So do you think that the other part is that uh Zack Snyder and you know the other heads over at DC are trying to cram as much as, as they possibly can to play catch up to what Marvel's already established. That may have been part of it, but I honestly believe that Snyder was given carte blanche to make his Batman versus Superman movie after he made Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we're going to do this thing. We're going to launch Justice League. So make a movie that that has Batman and Superman fight that's going to lead into a Justice League movie. And if you can, throw Wonder Woman in there too. I don't think that anything could have happened other than them cutting him off from things. I don't think anything would have happened that would have kept him from making the movie just the way that he made it. Because this is the kind of movie that he wants to make, which is perfectly okay for him. I just think that someone else above him should have looked at it and said, but is this the best case scenario for these characters as we're trying to introduce them? And they didn't do that. So I think Snyder made the movie he wanted to make and he stood behind it. He believes in it and that's perfectly Mm -hmm. okay for him. I just don't. And it leads me down the path of I'm less and less interested in this DC cinematic universe as it goes along. And the last selling point they're going to be able to get me on is probably going to be uh, Suicide Squad, just because the trailers for it have become more interesting as it's gone along. Yeah. Whereas Batman v Superman, it became less interesting to me as it went and along. That's that's where I think um, I, I think this will become what, 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 that Civil War or not Civil War uh, Suicide Squad will become the thing because if it does like how everyone's expecting it to do 
and it is really good. I think this almost sends the the right message to DC with you gotta ha- you can't have someone like Zack Snyder running the show because like almost do the Kevin Feige approach. You know, where you have you have someone who's not directing the movies saying, okay, here's where we should go, you know, get a big picture look over everything as opposed to just do, you know, okay, he's going to focus in on this movie, try to get as much as he can in there and then fuck the rest of the 20 or rest of the, you know, five year plan that they have. Yeah. I mean, I just, the expectation for suicide squad is what people are going to compare it to is going to be a guardians of the galaxy or a Deadpool. That's going to be the level that they want it to reach, at least, yeah. is mm-hmm. the hope that even though it's a huge cast and and probably a very expensive cast, they're going to expect that that's where it's going to hit. They're not going to expect it to hit Avengers numbers or Batman v Superman numbers or Civil War numbers. I don't think that that's what they think is going to happen, but it could. I mean, it's very possible that it could. I just I don't know that that's realistic, but Marvel doesn't expect every film to hit Avengers numbers. Uh, I'm sure that they didn't expect Iron Man 3 to hit the numbers that it did, but it did, and now the expectations move up for everything else. But they still allow themselves to do an Ant-Man and know that Ant-Man may not be the success level of these other movies, but then we get to involve Ant-Man in these other movies. And we have the Thor films that don't do incredibly well, but do well enough, and we have Thor to do these other things with. And then the next Thor movie, maybe we up the, the ante with putting the Hulk in there. And so I think, and, that's and with what that, building a bunch of things as your as your base does. Whereas trying to start with this giant pillar with nothing to hold it up is a little more challenging. And and it's also it's going to give a great or it's going to give attention to the to some of the great directors that they have doing these movies. Like it's and like it started with John Favreau, then it moved to Joss Whedon, and now it's um the the russos with civil war which we're going to talk about right next yeah let's just jump into it let's just it's an easy transition yeah well and then taika waititi who is going to be doing thor uh thor uh thor ragnarok you know it's like it's basically saying here here's a spotlight on great directors third deal so but yeah so captain america civil war came out this past week um i actually had the honor of going to go see Captain America with someone who had not seen a Marvel movie, a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Wow. How'd yeah. that go? Um, it, it went good. He Direct quote, this is a review from the youth pastor of my church. Better than Star Wars. Wow. Well, any Star Wars or just the newest Star Wars? The newest one, because he, he did the same thing. He hadn't seen, in his words, he goes, the, the only Star Wars that he saw was the old ones. And I'm like, that's all you need to see. That is all you should see, probably. I mean, but I mean, if you want to be a completionist, do two and three, you know, because fuck episode one. Um, but you know, I'm gonna give myself props on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I can't give myself props. <laughs> I got you covered. But so, and then he's like, "Yeah, it's better than it's better than Star Wars." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And then he he asked questions about certain characters and this is a warning for audio listeners right now 
we are going to spoil the movie. I, 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 we say it at the top of the show, but I feel like we need to say it again because otherwise hate mail is going to come flooding in because we get all this mail um, and the hate tweets and all that stuff about, oh, you guys spoiled it for me. You, you've had two warnings. Um, but my review and my review is this was pleasantly different and I cannot wait because I and also I had the other weird experience of going into a movie theater where everyone was clapping after every trailer after the trailers yes all right that's interesting we come in and we're just a little bit late we've seen the we're catching the end of the Doctor Strange trailer which you know it's the one we've already seen you know where where the ancient one soul punches Stephen Strange yeah then after that I'm like in my head I'm like what the fuck well these are people who are excited for the Marvel films they're oh no no Marvel movie the next trailer that plays is the rock and Kevin Hart and central intelligence trailer plays immediately after all right somebody was drunk the audience was drunk because it was everyone so much so that my youth pastor is like, this next trailer, should we give it a standing ovation? I'm like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Because I know he would. They go, no, no, I will I will just do this. I will just be like, I don't know him. <laughs> it is your youth pastor. I mean, maybe he breaks everybody into hymns. <laughs> <laughs> but no. And so I'm like, in my head, I'm like, they know we're in Jackson, Michigan, right? Not Los Angeles, not New York, not a bigger city where the chances of that C. Robert Cargill or the director of Sinister or, you know, who or The Rock is going to come in and go, thank you for applauding my trailer and all let's enjoy the rest of the movies uh, or, or enjoy, enjoy the movie sort of deal. But, and, which was all fine, dandy, you know, stuff, whatever. I ignored it. But I was expecting more of an opener, not here you are, just smack, boom, you're going. I'm like, wait, okay, the lights went down, so we must be watching the movie, but where, well, okay we're in it cool just here's here's bucky um being brainwashed which was weird it was brilliantly creepy for me just with how they did it uh getting into this one of the first things that i remember people talking about was this is just an avengers movie disguised as a captain america movie and one of the things that the rooster brothers said is no this is very much steve's story it is but it's also Bucky's story, and it's equally mm-hmm. Tony's story. Those three characters are really what this film is about. So Bucky's story was started with the Winter Soldier. Uh, it was very much about him, but in that he was the antagonist to the to the heroes. This he's you know he's not exactly a hero, but he's what the heroes are fighting about, and in some cases for. And he is part of the team in a lot of this. So, yeah, when you when you think about superhero movies classically, when you get the trilogies, they keep introducing more characters as they go along. It's like the, that was a common complaint of like the Spider-Man movies. The first ones by Sam Raimi is, you know, you got Spider-Man and a villain. And the next one, you got Spider-Man and more villains. And then you got even more villains and stuff in the third one. And it just gets to be too much to handle. Batman, same thing. It's like Batman versus one person, then Batman versus two people, then Batman versus multiple people. It just gets a little bit overloaded. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like this is overloaded, but again, because 
a lot of these characters were already introduced and established in other things. Even the newer characters like Vision and Scarlet Witch, we kind of understood them because that was prefaced. But we were introduced to both Black Panther and Spider-Man in this. And while they didn't glaze over who they were, you know, it was a lot to take in. Yeah, and it, it was. And it's one of those things that I felt like they handled it perfectly because they didn't need to get into it, into the de- origins of these characters because they have movies coming out next year. Right, which are not necessarily even origin movies. I'm I'm surprised no. because they had said initially that Doctor Strange was not going to be an origin film, but everything we've seen in the trailers has looked like this is the origin of Doctor Strange. Which that was when they were, surpri- they were backing away from that. Yeah, which wouldn't surprise me if that's just the opening half hour. Yeah, or like the origin of uh, Batman being in essentially the opening credits of Batman v Superman, although. That was apparently all his life was about in that movie. Um, It's still a lot. And many things were were kind of glazed over to have effect in this Mm -hmm. and relied on you being a fan of the Marvel Universe all the way through. Now, you say you brought somebody who hadn't seen any of these Mm -hmm. movies. That's what's really uncanny to me is because I would have felt like I would have been a little taken aback by it had I not been a super fan. Well, but here's here. So here's, here's the funny thing to go back to that. Um, Cause he, he drove me there um, because it took convincing. And actually here, if you want to convince someone about this, say candy in a van. Well, well, okay. Yeah. But when he's driving, that's sort of hard. Um, and actually there was candy in there too. There were Skittles, but that's besides the point. Um, the, um, don't tell use, me my use, business. No, use use the analogy of gun control. Because that's what we did. We told him it's basically like gun control. But you think about it, the guns are people that have superpowers. Sorry for hitting my microphone. Um, and so, you know, that's just sort of how things happened. Is, is And we, we tried to talk our senior pastor into going. We almost had him going, but, you know, slight little change of plans. I'm like, that would have been so cool to sit there. You know, I got both pastors and but the my youth pastor he only had questions about the newer characters he only had questions about scarlet witch vision um black panther and spider-man like where did vision get that cool sweater yeah sort of deal um and like he had some questions about the other ones but it was mainly those guys and i'd be like well they were in the last movie and i'm sort of planning a get him caught up on the Marvel universe because the last Marvel movie he saw before this was Ang Lee's Hulk. Ew. Yeah. That would definitely put you off. Well, yeah. Cause he, this was his direct quote. Um, and I told someone about that and he's like, and they said his, his thing they're like, yeah, the Hulk movie where it, it, he had, it was a really bad CG version of the Hulk. I'm like, yeah. Ang Lee's Hulk. Cause that's how both the people said it. Yeah, just, I, did he fight dogs? Did he fight Hulk <laughs> dogs in it? Cause that, that's the giveaway. Uh, <laughs> was Nick Nolte there looking like a somewhat less scary version of Nick Nolte? Because that would also be the giveaway. Um, yeah. I, what I want to say about this movie is the things that it covered and the themes that it did 
like I like I expected when I watched Batman v Superman, a lot of similarity. Yeah. A lot of the people with powers have a responsibility. Someone needs to keep them in check. Well, do you think that you have the authority to tell me how to protect people, how to be a, a, a person who is a hero to people? What makes you think that you you can make better decisions than I can? And while you have a committee sitting there and arguing whether or not to send me in to save somebody, they could already be dead. Uh, and more dangerous things could be happening. And sometimes you might not even choose to send me in at all. And that's probably even worse. Or you send me to do things that I don't think are right. And that's a problem. That's It's funny because Steve is the one who takes that viewpoint in this, but Steve was a soldier. Yeah. And... Soldiers commonly are meant to follow orders, but at the same time, he's an American soldier who believes in the freedoms of what being an American is, and this goes against that. Uh, And I was just when the soldier, so yeah, that topic was already present. It was covered in First Avenger as well, because and that's that's the thing. Scrawny Steve jumping on the grenade, and all of these things are are points of we've established who these characters are and that's how we got here. Thunderbolt Ross, we have an understanding because we saw him in the Incredible Hulk movie. We we get his motivations. Tony's motivations in this are based around the fear that he's already had. He has post-traumatic stress syndrome that he dealt with after the first Avengers movie that is the basis of Iron Man 3. And yeah. then we find out that going back on his word to Pepper has messed up his relationship with her because of what he did in the second Avengers movies in Age of Ultron. Plus, he was totally irresponsible in Age of Ultron. And while the Scarlet Witch messed with his head a little bit, he allowed terrible things to happen by thinking that he knew the best. So his idea of maybe somebody else should be making these decisions for me instead of me because he can no longer feel like he can shoulder that kind of responsibility and doesn't want to, He's feeling old. He's feeling alone. He's feeling homesick for his parents who, you know, died when he was very young. All of that makes sense as to his characterization. This is the the motivations and stuff that we didn't see, at least in the film of Batman v Superman. And that's, yeah. again, why there's going to be comparisons between these. Even going at further, most, what's that? Even going further, there was the comparison between uh, Lex Luthor and... Uh, Sequent hand Zemo. behind the Zemo thing, uh, that they controlled all that uh, trouble and were able to predict to a high degree what will happen. But I believed in civil wars more than so with Lex Luthor that had no really motivations. Yeah, Luther was just manic to be manic and you know had power and had intelligence, although he talked in fucking riddles. Uh, like he was the Joker, uh, which is some characterization that I think kind of started on Smallville, although I liked Michael Rosenbaum's version of Luther on Smallville a lot more. Yeah. But comparatively, Zemo had a motivation, had a true motivation as to why he was doing this. It's revenge, which is often the motivation for villains in things like this. And it wasn't dissimilar from what Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were doing in uh, Age of Ultron. But it was he was from the same place. He was from the same kind of situation. And 
yes, somehow he goes from being, you know, what we we don't know what his background is, is other than he had a father and a wife and a son who were all killed. But he gets things kind of worked out to set all this stuff up. So I don't know a lot about Zemo, but I understand at least why he was doing what he was doing, if not how he managed to do it. And Zemo, honestly, is one of those that, and I'm glad my pastor didn't ask me about him, because then I'm like, wait, what Zemo? I know it's Zemo, but is that Baron Zemo? Baron Zemo is who the character would normally be. It's the second incarnation of Baron Zemo um, with Helmet Zero. Or Zemo, um, which that is an interesting character right there to have in itself, and I would love to see more of of Baron Zemo. Um, but B, I want to get your your thoughts on this. What did you think of Civil War? I had to think a lot about uh, Batman versus Superman because the plot had so many similarities, but it wasn't the direction; it was the story that made. Batman vs Superman such a shit show, but yeah, <laughs> you see the in the right hands you can do so much when you are into it, and mm-hmm. I believe Saxon is into his thing, but not in the spirit of the original of the source, and Fayegi and company clearly are. They control. really respect the characters. They respect the history. As as much as people can say, well, it's not really what Civil War was, but it so totally nails who each of the characters are. I think it's room to breathe for every new crack character like Black Panther. Had great scenes. They gave him exposition naturally without hitting you with a hammer or doing flashbacks. And... It was a good movie, but I still have the same issue as with some more movies. The tension at the end, not, you don't have to kill every time somebody, but somebody has to bite the dust, so <laughs> it has more gravitas, and yeah. I may still miss well, that. I don't even think, though, necessarily that you know they had to kill someone, because, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty left with... with uh, with War Machine, with uh, James Rhodes, because I mean that was oh my gosh, my heart sank in that in that moment because where yeah it was a scene where you had you know a you know you, you had a good guy and a bad guy, well no two good guys, two good guys. sorry fighting, and they realized oh th- these are my friends that I'm throwing a punch at. And everything about that moment was was handled perfectly because I, my best friend didn't really want to see this movie because he doesn't like movies about heroes fighting heroes, which is funny because anytime you have two superhero groups meet up, the first thing they do is they have to fight. Two superheroes meet up, they have to fight first because you have to have that moment. Um, so he wasn't excited about this movie. But part of it is you don't want to see them just unleash on each other. You don't want to see them try to hurt each other. You don't want to see them reach that viciousness. And when Falcon dodges Vision's friendly fire is what it was. It's it's not like Falcon thought, okay, this is going to happen so that War Machine gets shot. It was, I don't want to get shot. So he ducked 
and War Machine got hit. And his instinct was immediately to go and try to save Rhodey, you know, as a as another person, as a friend, as an ally. It's not okay. Yeah, I could as I could get captured. Sword. I could lose the fight, but this is my friend. And he goes to save him just as Tony's going to save him. And he lands and he knows that everything's fucked up. And he's still like, is he going to be okay? And Tony shoots him. But Tony's not even trying to kill him at that point. It's just the angry reaction. He knows he's going to recover from it. Yeah. That moment of it wasn't person against person that got Rhodey hurt. It was an accident that got that to happen. And that is... I think very key to what this movie did is that nobody was trying. None of the heroes were being anti-hero and that, that happened in the comics. Tony felt responsible. He started the whole thing. Yeah. I get that feeling from the movie. And one thing I have a minor quip with the movie is that there are so many dicks. Yeah. I love the vision in Avengers of uh, Age of Ultron. It was the best part of the, that movie, and uh, I, I hated him almost to, to the end. And then shooting War Machine was the little thing that tipped it over. But uh, yeah, Black Panthers also had an attitude that was a little bit, yeah, angry. But then at the end, what? you see Panther realizes. I mean, both he and Tony are motivated by. A revenge pattern and they mm-hmm. they kind of they're following that tony's really hits him at the end it's it's first he's doing it because he feels like it's the right thing to do and he's trying to protect everybody uh and then at the end against winter soldier it's that's where he wants revenge he's so angry and he's so overpowered by emotion by that point he can't hold it back anymore whereas black panther who had been run over by emotion this whole point and had been equally misled in the last second decides I'm not going to let you who've caused all this and who killed my father. I'm not going to let you kill yourself because that is not a tribute to my father. That is not a tribute to my way of life. That is not the kind of person that I want to be. I looked at it as more of with, with that part as more of the, a a callback to the line that he gave earlier when after his dad died, where he said, death is just the beginning alluding to the fact uh, or to in the comics how t'challa and and whoever is the black panther can sort of call on the other pan the previous black panthers for knowledge and stuff like that that is part of it but he he still kind of says you know it's okay that my father is dead i don't i don't have a problem because i understand that death is the beginning but i wasn't ready for him to leave this life yet yeah you know that yeah. and it that's exactly right you can have as much philosophy about death and rebirth and reincarnation or nirvana or anything else like that that you want but you still have to deal with your personal loss in the here and now and and i don't know that anybody is quite that strong to not feel the emotional punch from that yeah but the motivations um, for him w- were i think amazing in a mm-hmm. character that could have just been, he runs around looking like a non-Cape Batman and kicks people's ass, which he did a lot of too. Yeah. It was worried that they portray him as the angry black man, 
but he showed better conscience and control than Tony Stark and the others. So he yeah. redeemed himself. That was very important, yes. But it also showed to tie him more back into the comics, it, it showed how they had been doing Black Panther for a while there, especially with oh, what was the event? Um Um AV I think it was uh the the event that led up to Secret Wars um this past this past event with uh that Jonathan Hickman did with all the incursion events and with him fighting against Namor and you know you know with Namor and the Atlanteans flooding um flooding Wakanda and then so it's like oh they're heated rivals but then he still was able to work with Namor because of the fact that you know he realized it wasn't all his fault, but at the same, but he also ne- needed information from him. He needed stuff from him that he couldn't get from, you know, if he's dead, sort of deal. Yeah, but I I just see it as he's biding his time until I don't need you anymore, and then I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna take your head and, off. And then the calls. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're kind of skipping over the other big introduction in this, aren't we? Of Giant Man. Well, I guess that's one, but I was going to say uh, Spider-Boy. Yeah. Um. So. Hot Aunt May. I, hot Aunt May. <laughs> yeah. You mean, you mean hot Benjamin Button Aunt May? I mean, but so with this, I, I, will, I will start since I, since Spider-Man is the first superhero I got into and all that stuff. I feel like. If they are, if if Marvel is dead set on we gotta do high school Peter Parker, Tom Holland is is the best choice. Why is why does it sound like you're not into the idea of high school Peter Parker? Because in Andrew Garfield had the look, especially in the suit of Spider Man, but the college version of of Spider Man of Peter Parker, um, and I think it's because of the fact that they've whenever they've cast Spider-Man before, it's been, you know, a 27, 28 year old. It's been an adult. uh, Yeah. An adult playing a kid, essentially playing 10, 12 years younger than themselves. And it's like, just make him in college. No, I I, I think this is exactly the right move because he started out as a high school student in the comics. And the beauty of it is that, because if he's in college, why is he living with his aunt still? Why is his life so revolving around being in trouble for going out at night and things? He has to hide it from somebody. If he's in college, you lose a lot of that. And it, it's not like he's not going to have the opportunity to get to college age in this version. I yeah. think it's far more interesting to have a high school student in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because we don't have that right now. No, yeah, it, and I, I get that. out. But that's if you look at it through the eyes of you hadn't seen Sam Raimi's Spider-Man or Mark Webb's Amazing Spider-Man sort of deal where you've seen the high school Peter Parker done two other times. Well, I first of all, I can't tell you a goddamn thing about the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I know I watched the first one and felt like it was just ignored um the Raimi one he was in high school but it had nothing to do with his high school life almost at all 
And that's what I'd like to see them explore in his movie. I, I really want them to do Peter Parker as a high school kid and what his life is like in that situation. What I'm worried about is how big of a influence is Tony going to be in Peter Parker's life now? I'm glad that they allowed him to create the webbing and the devices himself. I'm glad that that is something that they did. Having him, you know, get an upgrade in costuming and maybe even in some of the tech is perfectly okay. But having him invented himself, I think, is key to who Peter Parker is and why Tony would really have an interest in him, not just because he's a powerful, you know, altered human, but because he's a science geek. And that's why their relationship makes sense. Tony Stark shows up at his house and has his in. I think that's also why he was able to to pull him onto his side so easily Mm because Peter wants to be like Tony and Peter wants to believe in Tony Stark. It's, it's a hard call when someone says, okay, well you have a choice. You're either going to fight on the side of Iron Man against Captain America, or you're going to fight on the side of Captain America against Iron Man. Anybody would be like, uh, I can't make that decision. But when you're the, the science geek kid and Iron Man shows up in your house, that's your ideal, Mm -hmm. you know, my ideal would probably have been Cap over Tony, but I can see it from the other side in this. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I'm only saying that because I did love, I, I did love and do love Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Um, because, because like I said, looking back on it, um, before Tom Holland was cast and I had not seen or heard him at all, um, mainly because he was in like, he's in the, like the Maze Runner series or one of those young adults uh hunger game knockoff books things um and so it was like okay toby mcguire good peter parker not so good or his spider-man wasn't on par with how i visioned how, how i how i would envision spider-man andrew garfield's almost the exact opposite didn't quite like him as peter parker but him as spider-man was more understandable this is the molding of the two. This was, you know, because he was he was very quippy, which I enjoy. I I enjoy my Spider-Man to have a sense of humor. Um, he was he's very, you know, with you you see him doing all the visuals and stuff, or all the acrobatics and stuff like that, and it 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 all seemed like it worked, and it's it's great because you know the the kid is 19 years old right now, um, and I looked at so him like he sounds like he's 14. He's like throughout the whole thing of filming. It's like he sounds like he's freaking fourteen years old playing a fourteen-year-old kid. Um, but I mean, throughout the whole thing, it just seemed to work really, really well. You know, the whole, you know, with everything in there, just with how he how he behaved because he did behave like like a, a newer superhero. Um, the, the way I looked at it as I was thinking about this earlier this week was. This was Spider-Man going from street level hero to Avengers level hero. Yeah. And so it's like you're gonna have those awestruck moments of oh my gosh, it's Iron Man. Hey, and and or oh my gosh, it's it's Tony, it's Captain America. Sorry, I have to punch you, but here we go. Yeah, and um and nervous reaction of I mean, what a great way to say that 
he talks too much uh, when they're like, it's usually not so quippy out here on the battlefield and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if you're nervous and you're around all these <laughs> technically giants to you, in one case, literally, uh, yeah, you're going <laughs> to, maybe you're going to talk a little bit more. You're going to try to deflect using your words uh, at the same time that you're deflecting using your webbing. Yeah, which also great use of a another disney owned property in the scene with hey you guys remember the movie with the giant walker thingies <laughs> <laughs> um but no so all in all um i i would honestly go see captain america civil war again i mean where is it on your on your list of the marvel movies like is it close to the top is it close to the middle close to the bottom it's probably at the top with with guardians being right behind it um and then i couldn't do too much more after that because some of them would have to refresh my memory but because it's like even then like i told i told my youth pastor i'm like all right i think because i'm thinking of doing either just straight through start with iron man go all the way through or i pick up my favorites and go okay here we're gonna watch this one now now we're gonna watch this one and the next movie I told him, like, okay, the next movie, because I think you're going to like it, is going to be Guardians of the Galaxy. Just because of the soundtrack alone. Plus, you don't need to know a lot about the, yeah. the rest of the Marvel Universe to enjoy it. Yeah. I don't think it's that high for me as as opposed to some of the other ones. I, I, I think it's probably my least favorite Captain America movie so far. And, and that's off of one viewing. But I don't want to imply that I didn't love it. I absolutely loved it. It was so enjoyable to watch. It was a great, fun time. People were laughing. People were cheering, uh, clapping. We we had our clapping at the end mostly for the movie in my yeah. theater. But we're we're degenerates out here in California. We had no life <laughs> or love for anything. Well, we, um, had, we had clapping too. Um, we probably would have laughed and, and clapped more if we weren't so dead inside from eating all that kale. <laughs> well that's just kale that's just what kale does to you yeah um b where does where does uh cap cap Marcus of war rank on your list of the marvel movies i was looking for my collection and i have to say it's in the middle yeah it's certainly better than uh, age of ultron for me and uh, ant-man was the least good one still good but the least marvel good one and maybe, yeah, Thor 2 was below it. And on top is Avengers. And then comes Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think, yeah I, I think the important thing with this, though, is this shows, this to me showed that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe like with how we had phase one and phase two was led by Joss Whedon doing the Avengers movies that phase three and four or however long they want to go is in good hands with the Russos. Yeah. I mean, I had no doubt about the Russos anyways. After oh, no, I didn't either. Soldier. And, and everyone was busting up laughing when Jim Rash came on screen. Yeah. That was a beautiful moment. So much so to where I, I wanted to be like, I want to go over to my to my passion goal. So the Russo's directed a TV show called Community. He played one of the characters called Dean Pelton, which I, I then told him afterwards. But speaking you know, of throwbacks, just because 
they had the Dean scene on Community that was based around the scene in Winter Soldier where they were fighting in the elevator. Yeah. That scene with Bucky and Cap fighting off the, the German police in the stairwell mm-hmm. was kind of like that scene for this movie. It was so good. Man, they know how to do a close-knit, closed-in room fight. Uh, the yeah. choreography on this was just it, incredible. It wouldn't surprise me if the choreographer worked on daredevil as well because that's what it that's what that scene reminded me of was was like a just not as gritty not as you know like oh you can hear the bone break and if you slow it down you could see the guy wincing in actual pain so watch it in slow motion um (laughs) so where things leave off obviously we we got our teasers for spider-man which I don't know that it gave a lot away as for what's coming up in Spider-Man. It was just, yeah, there's Spider-Man coming. Oh, but Black sorry. Panther. Yeah, sorry, real quick about Spider-Man. This is the last thing. Um, I love the costume because it blends practical with comic perfectly. Yeah. Like, there's not, you know, we, we don't have to worry about the organic web shooters. But even with the amazing Spider-Man where they had mechanical and I think there was a scene where the tip of it was peeking out. It makes sense that the whole, the whole cartridge like thing with the canister and all that stuff is out, outside of the costume. Yeah, and nothing about armor or super shiny or spandex, like looking like a basketball. Um, it, it, it it looked like it was designed to enhance his powers. Yeah. Like, especially with how you saw with the all, like they explain the spider sense more as his eyes. He's he's a, um he's able to see more in like reality to use a scientific term. Um, check out because science where they explain how or they they explain the flash's reaction time with him being able to move as fast as he does. Um. It was almost like that with like okay that's why the you have the the moving eyes or eyes right there yeah i love that moment actually yeah besides also looking cool it looked um, really cool and it, <laughs> it, it gives expression on a mask that would not normally be able to have expression yeah that, that's that's what ditko did when he used to draw him that's why it was so important to be able to get that on the screen yeah. and, and that's um, when we look well. back when we look back at the first Spider-Man movie by Raimi, that's what was missing when uh, Green Goblin was on the screen and they gave him that stupid pantomime look uh, instead of allowing him to speak and, and emote and do things uh, that this changes everything for the mm-hmm. character because of that. Um, Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. I mean, that was so cool to see, you know, I mean, because... I saw on Slash Film they had the article like the fourteen thing questions that uh, were asked by this movie, um, and one of them was being you know so does this mean that Bucky's gonna be in the Black Panther movie? Right, because he could he conceivably yeah. could. But I mean, honestly, with me, I see like that that whole scene. So warning for or warning for for people. There are two post-credit scenes. One is the Black Panther one, which happens like right after the cinematic credits, where they mainly say the actors, and then maybe like the Russo brothers, and then the Spider-Man one comes after all the other 
actors or uh, after the main credits you know the scrolling credits it's the last um, things you see yeah um and sorry I, sorry my, my mind shifted on there for a second but the black panther one with that like with the wakanda i'm like oh my gosh that looks that looks like a a really great version of wakanda because at one point i've seen it in comics done where it's an african tribe like it's all you know more african tribey um sort of ver- sort of version and then in other versions especially especially more recently it's more um i can't think of the city but where uh, gorilla grad comes from in the comics where they have the the dome that you can't see through that you can you you don't you don't see in but they can see out sort of deal that yeah. hides the city and then on the outsides is all the you know african tribe looking areas but it's more fake smoke screen than oh that's where they live i mean i think it should be a mix of both because there's no reason yeah. not to have the the feeling of the tribe and everything but they've just advanced in technology further advanced than what most of the rest of the world has yeah. uh, because they're so protected and because financially they're they're set up they're the only source of vibranium uh, which makes you wonder how Stark Sr. got the vibranium to make Cap Shield in the first place. That's another storyline I'd like to see happen somewhere down the road. Yeah. Um, speaking of, just real quick, Stanley sighting. That's what got me sidetracked. I'm like, wait a minute, where was Stanley sighting? Tony Stank. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it uh, because this is the other part that that gave me hope in the marvel movies or in with the russo's doing the marvel movies um is they still put in the humor and they put it in great spots they know how to write their characters not every moment is going to be grim and dark bucky and uh falcon sitting in the car watching as captain america gets his his first kiss in the modern era and um and both like nodding approvingly (laughs) Excellent, excellent movie movie overall. I I, I yeah. really did enjoy it. I may even I, I'm gonna have to watch again to see if I like it as much as the first Avengers. Yeah. Uh, and I I liked Age of Ultron. I I don't have the problems with it. Everybody else seemed to. I know that there were some faults to it and everything, but for the most part, it felt. Again, the, I watch it for the interaction of the characters. And so this was more of a challenge because so many of the characters are fighting against each other. But I really liked the story and just the the scene on the on the airport tarmac essentially was just so good. But it's mm-hmm. not what the whole movie was, and that's all I was worried about is that it's just going to be to take us to the scene. That's not even the the ultimate ending scene of the film, and where it takes us after that is. I argue more important. So, how did you feel about the hinting? And I think this is where I'll leave it. But the hinting at a relationship between Scarlet Witch and Vision. I think it makes sense uh, yeah. because, and and I think the way that they are doing it makes even more sense because of the way that they're tied through the Soul Gem or yeah. the Power Gem. I'm sorry, mine. Uh, he it was used to create her as she is essentially. And now it's also been used to create him and as part of his mind. And that's part of why I think, Beat, what you're talking about is that he was an asshole in this. 
I think it's more of because he's new at life. He doesn't know how to act. He's been taking Tony's orders his entire existence. And he has these feelings for someone that he doesn't know how to, how to do with feelings at all. And so in all of that, he's he's more he's an automaton automaton that just became a real boy. And and he's not sure how to deal with his body's going through changes. He's only had the body for a couple of weeks or whatever, so it makes sense. <laughs> he's only had it since Sokovia. Yeah. Um But yeah, so I think that's where we're gonna end. So you could contact us by leaving a voice us a voicemail at eight oh five three two eight three nine six six or you could email us mail at elsners.com for all our subscription options and links can they can be found under the subscription subscribe tab over at gncast.com and you can join our facebook page under galactic netcasts and you could follow you, the yeah yeah you can follow the show on twitter uh at else nerds or follow the network at galactic netcasts you can also follow our producers, Beatmaster at Beatmaster80 or Evan at Mr. Underscore Fusion. Gregor is at that Gregor, and I'm at Donas Comics. And this has been a Don't Tell Gwen production. We will see you next week. Or else. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to GNCasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.